0: fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 20, the Watch Clicker Podcast with your hosts, Andrew. I'm a good friend, Everett. Here, we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like.
1: Brett, how are you? You know, I'm good. The music seemed like it was slower tonight when we came in. It did seem slower. Are you listening to us on 1X? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, it seemed like the the music was slower. Um. Yeah, no, I'm fine. It's been just a normal week, nothing special. I am excited to get into this uh, truly that you've uh, brought me tonight. They smell delightful. I got the berry
0: mix pack from the store, and I opened up the blueberry and acai and couldn't even contain myself. If you didn't hear it, you can... <laughs> Back up a few seconds and you'll hear me say, ooh, that smells good. It's
1: super aromatic. It's very aromatic. Yeah. Uh, I, I do believe that it's pronounced Akai. Is it? Yeah. Just, okay. Yeah, just saying. Brevelle.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, we are known for our pronunciation here, so um, we just take our pick. We just go with what sounds and feels right at the moment. Yeah, and tonight it's blueberry and Akai. Mm-hmm. Uh a guy. Blueberry and a guy. It, it. <laughs>
1: Andrew, how are you doing?
0: Uh good. I'm a little worn out. My kids have been just kind of in a bit of a mood the last six years. Uh yep. really just the last couple of weeks just kind of catching up with me. But I had a really productive weekend thus far. Um I don't recall what I did yesterday, but it was all stuff that really needed to get done today i finished getting the christmas decorations down i took the christmas trees to the recycling center
1: and by that he means his christmas tree and my christmas tree yes and thank you for doing that your
0: christmas tree was too long for me to close my christmas tree was too long for me to close my bed but i could bend it yours was still like so sturdy and hearty (laughs) (laughs) i had to go into my garage and get a saw Cut three and a half feet off the bottom of it, and then stuff it down into the bed of the truck, so I didn't have to tie anything down.
1: Yeah, I mean, I would have done more uh, to help with the process if i didn't known it was happening, but I didn't, and so I didn't. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, it was two dollars, two two dollars a piece, right?
0: Yeah, two dollars a tree. I think that's
1: even less than the Boy Scouts charge. So I owe you four dollars.
0: Yeah, I guess so.
1: Yeah, that's. I told you
0: if you hauled, I'd pay. Yeah, and the okay. guy told me four dollars, and I was like. I, that was the
1: first thing I thought of I was like why would anybody pay back four dollars <laughs> well and actually I think their minimum dumping fee is usually five bucks so it's a good deal man they, he charged me four money that's a good deal uh, and you guys heard it here uh, a declaration and evidence of the contract as between Andrew and I yes. and, the, and the debt mm-hmm. which by statute accrues nine percent in the state of Oregon
0: yeah minute like by minute so it's actually <laughs> going to be a nice sum at the end of the day <laughs>
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No, that's good. I'm glad that you did that. Me too. I'm glad that you did that. It it really you get rid of the Christmas tree and it really hammers at home that we're no longer in the holidays.
0: Yeah, and our Christmas tree hasn't even had decorations on it for like the last five days. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. just
1: been <laughs> a sad, sadly naked, wilting in the drooping tree. Yeah. Um. Well, we've kind of got a a packed episode here we do we've kind of got a packed episode i'm going to prepare some of you guys right now so we're going to talk about kind of a weird topic tonight uh, at least at least a fair chunk of this episode will be sort of ancillary to watches uh but specifically about the watch collecting hobby mm-hmm. and and this is more of a practical episode than some of our uh, typical navel-gazing. So feel free to go to two times, 2x, two as it were, or, or I don't know what the speeds are. I've never done that before.
0: But. Yeah, it's, uh, most people listen to us, I think, on half speed. Um,
1: but there's the option of a quarter, a half, a full one and a quarter, one and a half. Do people listen to podcasts slower than the standard speed? Is that a real thing?
0: I, I'm. There has to be someone who does. Otherwise, the speed options wouldn't be available.
1: <laughs> it, maybe it's for like like really information dense, which is not us.
0: No, it is us.
1: Y- information dense? Okay.
0: Especially on nights like tonight. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I'd actually be interested to, to he- hear how many of you listen to us on standard speed versus accelerated
1: speeds but before we get into the main topic we've got a couple other things i want to talk about one and this isn't really part of a topic or even one of our topics but i noticed that jonathan ferrer at brew watches released this week three new colorways of the brew metric chronograph did you see that
0: i did see it and they went like hot cakes hot 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 cakes gone right they're gone they're gone i don't know if i don't know when he expects another uh another shipment but they are they're not available right now
1: hey hey you guys this is Everett from the future uh we screwed this up you're about to hear us talk about how the three new colors of the brew metric are sold out and that's not true Uh, you'll just have to take my word that we had good reason for the mistake. In any event, the three new colors of the Brewmetric are not sold out. They go on sale Friday, January 14th. So check out Brew's Instagram page and or the website for more information. But if you're listening to this on Thursday or perhaps even on Friday, all three watches will still be available uh, for 395 on brewwatches.com. I apologize for this interruption. And back to your regularly scheduled podcast. You know, John is... Uh, I was at WindUp hanging out with John when his last brew metric went live. And I think it sold out in a matter of moments. And people were, some people were frustrated. And, you know, that guy really uh really cares like people were frustrated and he really took it to heart so um i know that he wants to make enough watches to satisfy people but the demand for those dang things is just so high that i i don't know that he practically can yeah i don't and i don't know if he could ever make enough
0: yeah it, even even with unlimited funds backing it i don't yeah. know that he could
1: he could capture the. I mean, obviously, there's some number, right? But, but whether that number is something achievable, I don't know. You, you know, it seems at some point like, you know, you take a a short term loan or something. I don't know. You know, no, no, no. I've been in trouble recently for judging other people's business practices. So,
0: and we're gonna judge John hard tonight. So, buckle <laughs> up, John. Let us tell something to you. <laughs> These watches are killer, man. Great colorways and, I, and I've said it before, I after after the Retromatic came out, I I kind of I was a little nervous for what would come next. Uh, cuz I didn't see really the direction because all of his designs are so unique. Uh, they're all really well thought out. They're all really well balanced. They're they're neither familiar nor novel. He he's found this really magical design
1: language and I wasn't sure how he was going to continue it. It's sort of a retro magical design. Yeah.
0: And the metric came out and I was like, oh, yeah, no, there he goes. He did it. Way to go. Nothing I ever would have expected and I absolutely love it. It's that very, very vintage Inspired, but very well updated. And the colorways that he now has are terrific. So he's got a steel dial, blued hands. Yeah, they're blued, or maybe blue. Doesn't matter. Blue hands. He's got a blue dial, a navy, which is nearer to black, the green, which is a really, really pretty, like jade, emeraldy metallic green and then the retro dial which kind of reminds me of pac-man
1: yeah the, re- the retro dial is cool man yeah. the retro dial is is something else uh of these uh, of these do you have uh do you have a preference retro all retro all the way that's a great color scheme yeah you know i think uh i think that my favorite may be the navy dial do you think I do think yeah uh something about it um something about it just sort of screams at me um yeah it to me
0: is the most espresso timery appearing <clears throat> I don't know what about that color scheme just screams smooth jazz <laughs> <laughs> And a single shot of espresso, in like a poorly lit, sort of damp day, but like poorly lit, like candles flickering room. It just looks like uh, yeah, this. Looks like coffee house, man. Dave Brubeck riff.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's the brewmetric. Uh, check them out. You can't buy them. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe again soon. I,
0: John does a good job uh, announcing when he's going to have inventory.
1: He's He seems to pretty much always have something in stock or, or coming back.
0: You can get some uh, blue, black, or burgundy retro magics right now. Yeah. You can also get the 8-bit brew.
1: Yeah, that's the uh, retrograph, but in like a sort of 8-bit, unsurprisingly, <laughs> yeah. motif. Which is fun. Sort of NES, coffeehouse vibes, or perhaps even... Sorry, well, well, good enough for that enough, make Isn't more watches <laughs> so that we can buy them. <laughs> so we've got some big news tonight, mm. uh, and, and we're going to tuck it in here. We're going to tuck it in, slip it in. I think is what you're looking for. Sneak it in. Mm-hmm. Um, and there'll be some links in the show notes. Some of you guys are going to have questions. Um, but this is a big deal for us. Mm hmm. It's, it's a big deal for watch clicker as an organization. It's a big deal for, for Andrew and I as, as, uh, you know, our podcast project that we started well over three years ago at this point, um, we have our very first sort of sponsor affiliate type relationship. And from, I believe that this is also the first such type relationship for this brand. So, some of you guys will know one of our very favorite brands in the world is Notice Watches mm-hmm. for for any number of reasons. A, we love the watches. B, we love Wes and Colin, uh, super good dudes. Always, always sort of been willing to come on and talk about whatever, whether it's their watches or even n- not their watches. Um, we have uh, we have signed up with Notice as their very first ever affiliate partner so what that means is starting today for you if you use the code clicker c-l-i-c-k-e-r just like you'd expect at checkout on the notice website you will save 10 percent. yep on any purchases um we do get some money from that yes this this is the important bit of this so this is a win 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 all around and and i think that some people are not going to like this and um you know obviously that is sort of part and parcel with this kind of arrangement yeah um feel
0: free to not use the code feel free to pay full price
1: we, you know, no part of this includes any onus for us to be nicer on a notice watch than any other. In fact, I'm reviewing a notice watch right now, and I've got some things to say about it. I love the watch, uh, but I've got some things to say about it. So this is, there's no quid pro quo, there's no pay to play. Um, but because notice is such an awesome company, um, they do offer that for for organizations like us. So I think it's important if you have something to to ask about this or any questions, go to the Notice website. Link will be in the show notes. Read what they have to say about it. We are more than happy to take all of your questions about this topic as well. Um, But yeah, that's exciting. I'm super pumped about it. I think both us as an organization and Notice, both Notice and us, Uh, Are a little. Neither one of us really know how to talk about this yet because it's brand new for both of us. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah, more to come on that, I guess, or maybe not. But if you go to the notice website right now until through February, yep. So two, well, almost two full months, almost two full night, two full months. Enter clicker at checkout. You will receive ten percent off any watch in the store. So. That's roughly a forty or fifty dollar savings, depending yeah. on what you're buying.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. We're excited about it. We're pleased to be able to be in kind of a collaborative partnership with a brand that we know,
1: we know, we like, we believe in, and and fits into right yeah. into what we're doing here. Right, what right into what we've been doing since the beginning. Yeah. So if we if it was if it was the a Rolex deal, it might be less sensible.
0: Yeah, I probably wouldn't wouldn't make a whole lot of sense. <laughs> but we're also excited to get you a discount on some watches. Discount on watches. So that being said, we should perhaps dive into the meat and gravy. <laughs> meat and gravy. <laughs> uh, are you feeling nervous about this topic at I, all? I am a little bit and I and I told you in my text, I don't know shit about shit. So that's why I'm a little nervous about this topic. I'm also nervous about this topic because it's new. It's it's a change of the landscape. And we're going to sit here and we're going to make some predictions that are inevitably going to be wrong. We're going to wonder about things that turn out to be nothing burgers. But I think this is a topic that needs to be, at least on some level, addressed, if for no other reason than as a PSA.
1: Yeah and And we need to say right now, um, nothing you're gonna hear, nothing you're gonna hear in this episode is or should be construed as legal advice. So uh, I I ethically speaking have to say those things, right? Because I, as some of you guys know, I am an attorney and I practice this type of law even. Um, w- with that said, you should not be getting legal advice from a podcast, uh, which especially is especially a watch podcast. <laughs> which is so uh, although I am legally qualified to talk about these things, this is not really my my main, practice of law. And to the extent if I were practicing directly in this area, I would be working side by side with the CPA. So even if you hired me to be your lawyer, I'd say we need to bring a CPA in to be part of this conversation and these help with these decisions. So um, all that to say, take everything you hear tonight with a grain of salt and make your own decisions. And please, for the love of God, utilize professionals to the extent you're making decisions about your finances, your taxes, et cetera. Some people don't. Um, and, and that's fine, right? Uh, it's sort of written into our legal system that you have the right to do these things yourself. With that said, I'd strongly recommend if you're dabbling in the things we're going to talk about tonight, you get a lawyer and or a CPA to help you make these decisions, at least for a consultation. So in 20... 21. Congress passed a, I th- think it's called the um, American Recovery Plan.
0: Yeah, ARPA, the American Repo- Recovery Plan Act or something like that. Yeah, that's right.
1: <clears throat> so shorthand is ARP or ARP. Um, but basically what this is was a, a series of sort of stimulus type um, provisions, uh, money and other tax code reliefs for individuals and small businesses that have lower income or slower income or less productivity related to the COVID-19 pandemic. And sort of as a weird aside to the ARP, there's this kind of quiet little provision that not a lot of people were talking about until January 1st. Uh, where they required basically third-party payment apps, so that includes PayPal, Venmo, Cash App, uh, mm-hmm. but also Etsy, eBay, any sort of what we call PSEs, but payment payment support uh, companies. Basically, mm-hmm. um, it changed their reporting thresholds. They're reporting to the IRS threshold for transactions. So in the olden days, in the Wild West, um, basically PayPal didn't have to record report anything to the IRS. So $20,000 was the threshold. So if you're doing more than $20,000 in PayPal transactions, you know it and you're aware. But but basically everybody else... Is that else, single transaction or is it in the aggregate? So the, the old recording guidelines, reporting guidelines, excuse me, for... Uh, most states, and it, it wasn't true for every state. I think there was like five or six outliers, but most states was twenty thousand transactions and italicized and uh, two hundred transactions. So twenty thousand dollars, two hundred mm-hmm. transactions, which is just a ton, right? Yeah, that's a business. It's a business. And they've changed it now to an incredibly low threshold. So six hundred dollars over any amount of transactions in a single year. So if you receive more than $600 via PayPal in a single year for goods and services, you PayPal, Venmo, whoever it is, eBay, Etsy, they will issue a 1099K. They'll they'll send that to the IRS and you'll get a copy of it as well. So now the IRS will have a report that you made income. Gotcha? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Now they don't do this with friends and family transactions. And, and so I I think people heard this and the initial reaction that everybody had was, well, if I'm just if I'm going to sell a watch to someone, I'm going to sell it as friends and family. I'm not going to do any more goods and services transactions. I'll tell people they can look at my history, my reputation, and they can buy it as friends and family. And, and that, I think, theoretically, will serve the purpose of avoiding this 1099k reporting so if there a
0: drop down on these platforms to say friends
1: and family or yeah there there usually is you select it when you make the payment so now i think that that is a that's a practical solution to this and i think a lot of people will do that what i'll say and i'll just say this one time because i don't want to make any accusations or make anybody feel bad about what they want to do I think that there is at least some risk that if you were to sell a watch to someone that you didn't know and require them to say friends and family, that one or both people in that transaction are technically committing tax fraud. So uh, that's not an accusation. I don't know the facts of your situation. Don't at me. But just something to think about. That's at least a possibility. So so be aware that's all I'll say about that
0: and thank you for joining
1: us
0: (laughs) (laughs) okay so we've got we've got this friends and family drop down option which is basic which is covering it's the umbrella of what venmo was kind of originally or venmo and cash App, all these platforms were originally intended to do of hey you got dinner i'm going to give you you know the 20 bucks i owe you Everett's going to cash at me the four dollars he owes me uh i think maybe live just to demonstrate this um this this practice uh, but that's all under this protected umbrella of
1: friends and family non-taxable yeah, um, yeah I, I'm paying you back for for paying for dinner reimbursement type that is things. a true friends and family transaction yes yeah, yeah. Uh, w- w- with that said fantasy if you, football losses and winnings and if you were to post something on Craigslist that person came over and said hey I really do like your Segway scooter or whatever. He said, "Well, it's just six hundred bucks, and they PayPal'd you that." And he said, "But it's got to be friends and family." I, I don't. Again, this isn't really my area of expertise, but I think there's at least some risk that that could be for a fraudulent uh, characterization.
0: What is the risk out of a fraudulent
1: characterization? Beyond that, if, or is there any? What is the pragmatic risk?
0: Yeah, if it's beyond yeah. that, beyond just a, like, oh, yeah, no, we're friends. He had a beer at my house. Or is that what it's going to come to when people make Craigslist purchases? They also share a beer to become friends and family, and it's, you know.
1: Yeah, practically speaking, I mean, it's case to case. I would uh, never want to say, you, you know, you have higher or low risk in that regard. I think if you got audited and they, you know, and someone found out that transaction, or, you know, there's any any number of ways that the appropriate authorities could find that out. It As unlikely as it is, I wouldn't want to have to try to explain that. So that that's that's, that's a, the
0: risk. The risk is know. simply being audited or, or something coming up. There there is no other it's not like That's right. the the person has access to your bank information or anything. I mean people saying we're going to make it a friends and family transaction. It's it's a purely as, quotational. A, like,
1: as a buyer you've <clears throat> got as a buyer you've got quite a bit less protection with a friends and family purchase too. So that's something else to think about. Interesting. Why yeah. is that? Um, I, I think there's lower fees and they just don't support it the same way. They assume as uh, friends and family purchase that there's not going to be returns and that sort of thing. Mm. So, um, if it's goods and services, then you initiate the, the like sort of PayPal buyer protection process. So, you know, you, you pay someone with PayPal, you don't get what you're supposed to get and you can say, Hey, PayPal, I didn't get this thing. Mm. Yeah. But if it's friends and family, you don't have that. So if you're sign and seen buying a watch from someone, um, just realize if it's a friends and family purchase, you don't have those same protections.
0: And if that person lists it, say, as like brand new in box and they get it and there's maybe a scratch on the case, you're maybe at their mercy as opposed
1: to the mercy of the, the governing body. Yeah. And and that's sort of that's <clears throat> sort of the, you know this is really kind of an aside because I think the reason that most people who have expressed concern about this thing to me are worried about this is not because of that right I'm not they're not worried about they're not <laughs> nobody's worried about committing tax fraud um, because that's not the kind of thing that people worry about I think what more people are worried about is oh my gosh I sell ten to twenty watches every year and now I'm going to have this 1099, what am I going to do? Uh, I, I talked to our firm CPA today about this because I was kind of trying to sort this out. Well, you know, Practically speaking, what do you, the individual, do um, when you get this 1099? Uh, first, it's important to note there are no changes in the taxes that you're required to pay as a result of this reporting. So, you were not required before this new rule, this change to the Internal Revenue Code, that's actually what's happened here. Mm -hmm. You you were not required before this rule to pay taxes on the sale of personal property for a loss, right? Most of the time when you have personal property, you sell it for less than you bought it for. It's just like the way it goes, right? I bought a skateboard, I used the skateboard, I sold the skateboard.
0: To Goodwill for free. (laughs)
1: that's right for less money um that is that's the normal way and and you're not required to pay taxes on that even if you get the 1099k you however are required to pay both before and after this rule change required to pay taxes on the gain you get from selling personal property for more than you bought it for
0: what's the timeline for it to phase out of it being like capital gains tax
1: yeah, it was a house. You live in it for two years,
0: and you're you're absolved of that on on, personal on property, standard
1: personal property. There's no timeline, right? Okay. So, like, <laughs> if you bought an air cooled Porsche for eight thousand bucks in nineteen ninety eight, and that air cooled Porsche is now worth sixty five or seventy thousand dollars, quite a bit. Uh you've got a you know sixty thousand dollar gain, and and there's no Um, there is no, you, you drove it for two out of the last five years or, or whatever rule to allow you to avoid that capital gain. That is a taxable gain, every cent above your basis that you make on that thing. Same is true for watches, right? If you buy a John Mayer G-Shock from Hodinkee on day one for whatever they are, 180 bucks and sell it on day two for sell it on day one the afternoon of day one 400 bucks you've got a 220 dollars gain that's increase in the basis and that's taxable if you
0: buy a five thousand dollar explorer and you sell it for twelve thousand dollars
1: some taxes that's taxes that's right and so that's not changed here that's not changed what has changed is the irs's awareness of the transaction to the extent you use paypal or venmo and and I don't think it's that that's made people frustrated because it's like okay well it's a taxable event they didn't know about it before and now they do what's made people frustrated is this feeling and and justified or not this feeling that i think a lot of people have that there's no way i'm going to be able to track this such that i'd be able to satisfy an audit i think that's really what people are fired up about here and i think for a very, very tiny fraction of people, that may be true-ish. But when I say a very tiny fraction of people, I mean, I am talking about almost no one, right? People who are watch dealers, but are not watch dealers. We're talking about people who maybe buy and sell 50 to 100 watches a year. Um, Those people are gonna have more trouble. But this isn't rocket science. So what you're required to pay is, uh, there's a couple things that have happened here, right? Um, Mm. So first, uh, let's just note that you used to be able to write off losses from a hobby. And they changed in 2017 with the tax, with with the, what was it? Cut, 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 act. Yeah, whatever it was. Yeah, Yeah, they changed, they changed that deduction, they eliminated that deduction for seven years. So from 2018 to 2025. So unless that gets unless that elimination gets renewed beyond 2025, that'll come back, but we don't have it right now. So you cannot deduct losses from a hobby. So that means if you buy and sell 10 watches, and you sell nine of them for a loss. So you've bought a whole bunch of micro brands and sold them for 50 to $100 less a piece, and you buy one Rolex, and sell it for a thousand dollars more so you've got nine watches for a hundred dollar loss nine hundred dollars and then one rolex we'll just say for a for a nine hundred dollar increase that's a net zero but you cannot deduct hobby losses anymore so you cannot you cannot net that out you've got nine watches at a loss that's a that's a zero it goes away it's big nothing yep and then one gain of $900 and you pay tax on every bit of that $900 sucks suck. That's right. And, and that is, that has nothing to do with this rule. That's a different rule. Um, but it's all of a sudden very, very important, but that's it. That is everything you need to pay taxes on. So how do I account for the other, you know, I've now gotten this $10,000, 1099, um, I'll tell you to I'll tell you so I don't think it makes sense for us to get in the nuts and bolts but I'll just say this I think if you're selling a watch you should in a ledger try to find what you paid for that watch if you can find the actual receipt that's the gold standard go go through your eBay go through your Craigslist go through your Reddit go through you- your PayPal that's right go through your <laughs> PayPal whatever you paid for that watch Print up the closest thing to a receipt you can. If you cannot find a receipt for that watch, let's say you bought it wind up and you paid cash, you can't remember what you spent. Put the closest, your best, most reasonable guess. That watch is a four hundred and fifty dollars watch. You got a ten percent discount because you bought it at wind up and the guy was really nice. That's a four hundred and you know whatever ten dollar purchase. And you just put purchase on such and such date. For $410. And then when you sell it, if you sell it for less than that, there's no gain. There's no taxes. And you need to record that personally. You need to privately, for your own posterity, have a record of that on both ends of that transaction. Mm -hmm. Because you've got $400 basis, you got $400 sales, zero, zero, there's no profit. Receipts, the better you can, the more accurate you can be, the better. But you need to be right now, any watch you sell, any, not just watches, right? Pocket knives, um, scarves, whatever it is that you collect and sell, you need to be tracking those things because when you get audited, you're going to have to prove that. Um, there's also, there's also, what do I do in February and March when I'm preparing my taxes? How do I actually fill this out on my 1040? Um, and there's, there's a, a few ways you can do this. So so let's just assume you're, you're not a business. You're not going to be a business. There are some of you that, you know, that might be a reasonable thing to do. You don't have to be an LLC or a corporation, but you may want to consider treating this like a business and trying to make a profit on your watches. I'm not suggesting you try to make a profit, but It's something to at least think about because that takes care of a lot of these problems. Mm -hmm. But if you're just a Joe Schmo, there's a couple of ways you can account for this on the 1040. I'm not going to get into the details on this because I'm not a CPA. And when I talked to my CPA today, (laughs) my CPA was like, I don't really like this and I don't have a good answer for you. Um, That's encouraging. Yeah. So she (laughs) actually thinks that at some point in 2022, There'll be guidance issued on this because she said it was. This is going to be a huge problem. Every single CPA in the country is going to be like, "I don't know what to do," and the IRS is going to get a rash of these things. And if people aren't reporting them the same way, it's going to be a mess. So, th- there's there's a couple of ways to. Re- typically, you'd report ten ninety nine income on your taxes in Schedule One. Mm-hmm in schedule one and then you just put a comment on it so if, if it was a 1099 that wasn't actually like a reimbursement or something um you just comment this is just a reimbursement this is an income it's a reimbursement you'd put a comment and it, you wouldn't pay taxes same thing is true here you can do it that way and I, in fact i suggest most people will probably do it that way they'll just enter the full amount listed as erroneous you know, sale of personal goods, no, no income. Uh, my CPA also, her preferred method is to do this by way of a Schedule C. So just separate miscellaneous Schedule C income. You still can't deduct your losses, but you can certainly pull that back as to your basis and any amounts of money that weren't a profit sale.
0: Okay, I can dig that.
1: Yeah, so I, I think two things... So, so so just, I'm sorry, you were about to say something.
0: No, 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 okay. I, I, I had a follow-on question, but continue.
1: I think two things are going to happen. One, I think that the IRS is going to issue guidance. And two, I think apps like PayPal... Or not PayPal. Uh, what's the... Cash app and Venmo. And, no, TurboTax is what okay. I'm thinking. So Intuit is going to be prepared a year from now when everybody and their mother is like, what the fuck do I do here? So I would say... Keep keep records. That is the soul. That is all you need to know right now. Keep records, and just know if you sell a watch for a profit, that's taxable income. Everything above your basis is taxable, and deal with deal with the the reporting part next January. You've got a year before you have to worry about this.
0: This also creates a cool opportunity for a collection journal. When I was smoking a lot of cigars, I used to have a like I got a nice journal, and I lined out a place to tape down the the band. Yeah, and then I like wrote when it, obviously I had my date, what I liked about it, what I didn't like about it, if I drank something with it, what I drank with it, and I just had this journal of pages and pages and pages of of cigar bands, bands. Rappers? They're not rappers. It's the Yeah, band, I think that's right. Yeah. Labels.
1: Everybody knows what you're talking about. Yeah,
0: But I think that this is a cool opportunity for people who do have a quite a bit of watch transactions to do something like that in the way of a sentimental value, but also have a really very real tangible, I need this for tax purposes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I think it'll be interesting to see, number one, if this sticks around, because this, this could turn into... A, greater shit show than the irs is prepared to handle and see if they increase the threshold because this is a this is a a very low threshold yeah i I think there are few people who use these reimbursement and payment apps who are not going to exceed six hundred dollars
1: yeah no i i think that you're gonna see you're gonna see a, a bit of a of a I don't know bottleneck, perhaps. Yeah. Next tax season, with people trying to figure this out,
0: and I wonder if we're going to see an increase in brokers, in consignment sales, and and centralizing of sales, so people can try to wash it like that, get paid via a check as opposed to a payment app.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And like well, through a, through a watch seller, it's a really. I, I mean, so. so that company may have to issue you a 1099 if you exceed their threshold so so this uh, ostensibly this doesn't relate to this law that we're talking about doesn't relate to like for instance a a brokerage um but they do also have reporting requirements the thresholds are different so um it, it may it may change the individual's um But I don't think that's how most people engage with the hobby. So at at, at this point, maybe that's how, maybe we segue into that. Do you you think that this is going to have any effect on the hobby, Andrew? I think it's going to turn into a big nothing burger.
0: I think people who sell 25 watches a year are going to be frustrated by it. I don't think it's going to affect their watch consumption and divestment i think people this year i think maybe we'll see a slowdown what i'm hoping to see is a little bit of controlling of that purchasing of limited edition runs and then a quadrupling of the price the moment that they're sold out yeah because people don't want to pay taxes on that because they're Suddenly, going to be on the hook for that capital gain. I'm wondering if we'll see some stabilization in the in the secondary market.
1: Yeah, I think um, I think that's an, a real possibility. Actually, um, I, I've heard some I've heard some folks agree with that sentiment. Mm-hmm. I've also heard folks say, "Absolutely not. This is not going to have any effect on those people." I, I don't know. I, I don't know. You, you know whether or not the general population will a follow these rules um and and b whether or not it will temper that expectation do those people just say okay well now i'm a business i'm making money and i'll just pay taxes and i'll mark up those secondhand prices likewise i don't know yeah they'll pass on the the cost to the consumer yeah I, i would like to i would like to expect that those prices you know it's always supply and demand right all of these prices all of these day two or afternoon of day one prices are more or less sort of set by demand there's some arbitrary stuff that happens in the first few hours but you know within you know 72 hours or so those prices are kind of set in you know like we know how much the, For instance, John Mayer g shot costs on day three or whatever because everybody's buying them and selling them for the same amount. So does that number go down? I think it might. I, I don't have any really good research or data to back that up, but, but I think it might. I don't think it'll be as big as it's not going to go down to zero. The no, it's up. not. Yeah, you're not going to be buying it at cost. But you may just have fewer sort of casual, lucky buyers interested in that transaction because now all of a sudden it's a giant pain in the ass um if it's 10 percent fewer of that type of person does that make a difference on the price i suggest it probably does I, i think there'll probably be a noticeable decrease in scarcity and thus in the end of the end of the day price because more people will be able to get them at the register register the point of sale whatever when the release happens and there'll be fewer people dying to have one and so the people that have one to sell it will have fewer buyers and you know this is supply and demand economics right i i think there's a
0: risk though that there are that the people who are in it for business who are in it for that that retail markup who who are operating as a business get more of it as opposed to the casual buyer who's like, I mean, I got lucky, I bought one, you know, I'll wear it for a few weeks and I'll sell it for, you know, however much and make a little bit of money on the top. I think those people will be less inclined to buy and flip than the business, the person who buys to flip.
1: It'll just be shifting the middleman. Yeah. More think, to the... To the buy to flip people. Yeah. Well, we'll see. I mean, time will tell on all of this stuff, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, this is, a, this is a pretty serious thing for, for hobbyists right now.
0: I think it's maybe more serious than people give it credit for. I, I because everyone's already talking about the loopholes and the ways around, as
1: opposed to taking an honest look at the actual repercussions. Yeah, well, I guess I, I want to say one thing on that, because I think it's both more serious and more impactful and less serious and less impactful than than the conversation i think for the average buyer with pretty simple records and a few like visits to the intuit forums you will be able to figure this out you'll have little to no additional tax liability and your audit risk will not substantially go up it may go up a little bit but i think Your overall audit risk will not go up incredibly. So for most people, this is going to have very low effect. With that said, you probably do need to start taking better records. So the person who will get sideways on this deal is the person who does nothing. Mm -hmm. If you are taking good records, you know how much you paid or approximately how much you paid, right? That's going to be a problem for people. Like, I don't know what I bought this SKX on Reddit for 10 years ago. I don't have any clue, you know. You're going to have to make a guess. It's going to have to be a reasonable guess. And there is a potential liability there, a Mm -hmm. potential underpayment. If, for whatever reason, the IRS finds that you can't substantiate the price you paid because the price you said you paid wasn't reasonable. You know, if you say, I bought an SNK in two thousand 12 for 300 bucks. You're lying. And you underreport your income on that because you've now sold it for, you know, whatever. That could be a problem for people. So, as long as those numbers are reasonable, and 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 look, the IRS has to be able to prove with some burden of proof that you underreported your income the the onus is on them but it will very much in that audit or at that time feel like the onus is on you
0: and don't ruin it for all of us right <laughs> don't don't be the one to make the case
1: law so as long as you keep good records i think most people are going to be fine it's the people who don't pay any attention that are going to get sideways on this
0: yeah the, and and have a have a bucket load of transactions and get themselves into a, into a position where there's $10,000 of poorly reported income that they can do nothing to substantiate.
1: And so I talked to a few people earlier in the day today and I said, well, if there's no income, you don't have to report it. Um, I've revised that. You, you do need to report it. You need to account for it. So if I told you that when well, we spoke earlier, that's not true. Or if you heard that, well, Everett says this—that's not true. You do so. I met with my CPA, and she said that's a possibility. You could do it. There is no actual income, so there is nothing to be penalized on. But that's not—that's probably not the best solution here.
0: It looks like you are hiding something.
1: Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, new tax rules. Keep records. That's it. Keep records. Know how much you paid for it. Know how much you sold it for have records if you can. PDF your you know, screenshot and PDF your transactions, right? Yeah. You
0: should be doing that anyway.
1: Yeah. I mean, I can t- I can tell you right now the very first watch I ever bought, I can tell you exactly what day I bought it, exactly how much I paid cuz I bought it via Amazon. Yeah. So, so that's not going to be true for you for every watch. Someone said to me today, "Well, I I've, I've bought a bunch of custom watches." There's no records of that shit. Well, m- maybe not. Check your PayPal. Check your transactions. Try to remember what you did. And if you can't, make the best guess you can. You know, find Reddit posts. Make the best. But if you're selling something, do everything you can to know with a reasonable degree of certainty how much you paid for it. And that's it. And how much you're selling it for. Well, well that's obvious. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because it's easy. This is this is the easiest problem you could face. I, one, one more point on this. If you are selling things, it probably makes sense for you to sell via the same service. Yeah. So if you're gliding between Cash App and Venmo and PayPal, you are going to get three 1099s to mm-hmm. the extent you exceed 600 on each of those. And if
0: you're gliding between the
1: three selling watches, you will exceed 600 in each of those perhaps yeah perhaps so something to think about and and it's there's maybe going to be some competition between those companies there you don't have to worry about this if you're buying right you just have to grab your receipt and put it in your little ledger but if you're selling it may make sense to dedicate your sales through one purchase to Th- uh, through one platform yeah I don't really have anything else to say about this. We've kind of droned where Is this going to affect the way you sell watches? Me? Yeah. Zero effect on the way I sell watches. Why? Because I don't sell watches, <laughs> Samzie's. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, and and so that's a little bit uh that's a little bit flip, but it, you know, I think most people are close to where we are. There's, you know, uh, maybe a hundred people that we interact with or have interacted with in the last three years that this is going to have a meaningful effect on and and you know maybe a thousand people in our community which is feels like a lot it's dropping drop in the bucket but this is not a huge amount of people this will affect so just if think if about you're... all
0: those Instagram influencers who are getting Venmo to their account from dudes
1: think about how shitty their day is about to get <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like these people that go to Goodwill and buy like all the backpacks, backpacks and dresses and, you know, that's who this is really targeting. That's that's who is really, you know, gig economy folks, people being paid as, you know, side hustles, Etsy resellers, folks that have not up to now had to report income. Um, I, I've read some estimates. This is like an eight and a half billion dollar anticipated gain, um, which means there's a lot of unreported income out
0: there. And a lot of, I mean, think about it. Everyone has seen all the videos of people going to TJ Maxx and to Marshalls or Ross or take your pick of of store, and then s- selling it on their eBay store for four or five times what they paid for it, and that's all coming through paypal or venmo and is wholly unreported business income so this is not a nothing burger it is for us in the watch world yeah In yeah. in the way of consumer transactional person-to-person sales yeah just be responsible you're not who they're looking for big brother's looking for someone and it's certainly not you
1: andrew other things <clears throat> what do you got I got another thing. You always do. I, well, sometimes I don't. Sometimes I'm looking it up
0: while I say, I got another thing. Uh, my wife for Christmas got me a cleaver knife. And it's from this company called Koolina. K-O-O-L-I-N-A. Koolina. Yeah. And I... So I'd seen their ads. You, you see them on... If you haven't, after listening to this episode, you're going to start seeing them on social media platforms. <laughs> um, but they do all these kind of really big sales, and I was always unsure of them, because it's like, oh, it's it's like a... You know, this knife is $280. It's on sale for 90 They are all... The whole line is supposed to be... um Serbian like traditional Serbian cutlery inspired supposedly handmade honestly i i had kind of i i never bought one despite their low price cuz i was like there's got to be something they they just they just can't be Did you their, say
1: Kulino with a k or c C okay i heard k
0: I may have said k but it's with a c Uh, but I always just kind of had low expectations of them. And I obviously never talked to my wife about it, but then she, she got me this because she saw the targeted ads and uh, she got it. And I was, I was like, Oh, awesome. I'm going to finally have to try this out and not have had to have a guilty conversation of like, I kind of want to try this thing. It might be trash, but I might like it. Who knows? turns out I like it. The steel is, and and I read quite a few reviews since getting it, which is definitely not the time to be reading reviews. Um, Because there's a lot of negative reviews out there, but I think a lot of the negative reviews come from people who just want to shit on things, right? Because reviewers are inherently shitty of things that they're a little bit suspicious of. This is by no means a world-class quality knife. It's certainly not hand-forged. Just can't be.
1: Yeah, and and it definitely has that appearance, right? They definitely want you to think that
0: yeah, they they call them handmade. There's got to be some component of hand making for them to call it handmade, I assume. Uh, I, but I don't, I don't know. Yeah, it's, it's got it the, says
1: carefully handmade using ancient techniques by master artists and bladespins. That's a lot of very specific marketing language. It's so
0: a, it's a big statement. I don't think I accept it. But what I will say is that the steel is of sufficient quality to sharpen and hold an edge. From what I can read, it has to be carefully maintained. You got to oil it and hand wash it and, and care for it, which you should do. Because it looks
1: like a carbon steel. Yeah,
0: it's, it's it's a decent carbon steel. What I really liked about it is that it's one of the best balanced real utility knives. I mean, a cleaver is no-bullshit no blade, and it's hard to get a comfortable balance. In the, It's a full-tank knife. It's a really comfortable handle, nicely balanced. I've used it for... A variety of tasks in the kitchen that a cleaver is not intended for but i just i wanted to put the the blade to materials it's holding its edge nicely it's comfortable in the hand and if you're looking to kind of try out some new this is now for me a good test it brand if you're looking for a, a blade type and you're not looking to drop several hundred dollars because that's about the price you should be looking to pay for truly high quality, non-Dexter Russell, non-hugs-and-kisses blades. This is, I'm I'm down with it. Yeah. This was a good flyer that my wife took, and I and I think she maybe thought she was getting a killer, like a screaming deal on something that should be you know, 80 to $150 and not
1: $275. Yeah.
0: Well, I'm, I'm good with it
1: yeah i think that i think it does have that it does have that look to something more expensive um they do describe the type of steel they they don't give you any specifics but it's made with good steel Mm -hmm. Uh, it's obviously carbon steel carbon steel if you've never used carbon steel really nice to cut with usually easy to sharp so easy to sharpen
0: holds a good edge yeah
1: this looks like a nice it looks like a nice a nice purchase and, uh, and the price is not terrible no you know?
0: it's 86 so 89.99 shipped uh the shipping disc did seem to take a while uh, I don't know when she ordered it but it came like about a week after Christmas yeah um but they got a good line of functional blades they kind of mark it as like this utility. That you can buy leather sheaths for them. I think the intent is for them to be like your go-to outdoors mini knife. Sure, um, it looks
1: like a kitchen knife to me, and not a.
0: No, uh, but if you look at their whole lineup of of knives, I think they're all kind of. I mean, they've got their camping collection, and. Um, but I, I was I was very pleasantly surprised on what I would call an Instagram brand, with the what they're delivering in there.
1: And it says it says designed in Europe, which means it's almost certainly made somewhere else in China, in, in, in yeah. Asia. Yeah. yeah, so so they're you know they're able to take advantage of those lower production costs. Yes, yeah, so that's cool. I, I'd be curious to know more about what they're actually how they're actually making these.
0: Yeah, and I'm gonna put it through some more some more trials, and I'm gonna try to process some animals with it this yeah. year, and and see. But it, it, just my. My couple of weeks of using it in the kitchen for most tasks. I mean, there's a few things that I use i uh, I've been using my chef's knife for just because that's. Th- this is just a poor tool for that job, but yeah, it's it's held up, and for an Instagram brand, it's pleasantly surprised. Kulina knives, Kulina, super yeah. cool, Fair yeah.
1: Kulina, <laughs> I've got another thing. Do me, so I. I finally did it. You know, we we talk about watch people are also knife people are also light people are also
0: yeah we're serial hobbyists. It's a it's a, an addiction. We all share it. It's a problem. Hi, my name is Andrew, and I am an addict to things.
1: <laughs> so I, I very much fit in that mold. Uh, I finally decided I'm gonna I'm gonna build a mechanical keyboard. <laughs> um I've used a mechanical keyboard for many years I purchased a keyboard probably in like 2016. it was kind of cheap I think I probably paid 100 bucks for it it was a fully built um cherry switch you know, Cherry's kind of the old school maker of switches and, you know, one of the companies that was kind of responsible for the keyboard craze. Um, and and so I have this mechanical keyboard. It's not, I don't love it, uh, but it's fine. Um, but I didn't build it. I swapped out some keycaps on it and, um, yeah, I liked it, but I was like, you know, this isn't really, it's a big, like it's a big keyboard. It's got a 10 key, You, you know, mechanical keyboards oftentimes are small. They're either, uh 10 keyless or or even smaller 60 or 65 percent are are the terms that get used as you get smaller and smaller they get rid of more and more you have fewer and fewer keys like a stenographer as you get keyboard yeah that's <laughs> right that's right you, you know um and so i i was like i'm gonna do it so i started researching probably december like what do i want to get what brands should I be looking at? Watching a bunch of YouTube videos, you know. Uh, and right around Christmas, I was, uh, my wife was like, hey, I haven't really gotten you a Christmas present. What do you want? And I was like, well, I was about to pull the trigger on this keyboard stuff. And she was like, well, let's do it. Let's do it. That'll be your Christmas present. So, of course, this is all AliExpress. I've bought everything, you know. You, you can buy, mechanical keyboards have sort of in the last five years, really boomed like like other things watches knives etc and what was just a few years ago really uh, a craft industry um has now become you know hugely widely marketable there's people making extremely high-end keyboards cases pcbs everything um and with that you've got the side industry of like really inexpensive things that are available via China. There's some clone stuff. Um, so, you, you know, if you care about that, it's something to be aware of. But you can find really cool, good stuff. So Is there all wood options? I think there might be. There's yeah. got to be a wooden key and cover set. So I went with a 65% keyboard uh which still you still have arrow keys you still have like a little page up page down uh set on the right side which i need for my work um but it gets rid of you know you don't have any 10 key group um there's also no vowels there there, (laughs) there's no f-row yeah um there's no tilde tilde
0: you don't need a tilde you don't use that all the time why is that on every motherfucking keyboard
1: (laughs) Uh, it's a whole key dedicated to a key that people don't use <laughs> <laughs> and so i i went with that it's it's pretty small the one i have it's a tm 680 or a tom 680 if you look this up um it's a it's a plastic you know they're pretty cheap it's like 70 bucks for the pcb in the case of course you have to buy your switches separate you have to buy your keycaps. um you know there's little parts that you can upgrade stabilizers and whatever i kind of went whole hog i spent about 150 bucks and today was the day today literally before i came over i put this thing together um some people don't want that i wanted that process you i could have spent not a ton more and got a keyboard that somebody else had built that i would just get shipped to me but that's not fun right that's not what i wanted i wanted to do this whole thing so i bought switches i had to go like figure out what switch i wanted you can buy any switch is this
0: the switch being the what? as as actuated when you press the key
1: yeah so there's so there's the the way this works you got a pcb Mm -hmm. and on top of the pcb you plug in a switch traditionally these things were soldered and a handful of years ago a few companies started making hot swap sockets basically mm-hmm. which get plugged into the back of the pcb and so you can take a switch and just sort of pull it in and out it actually grabs the switch no more solder
0: it seems silly that that's only a couple of year old technology for how long like uh
1: um fuses have existed that's just it, it's, a, it's a it fuse, may be it, the technology may not be new but i think it's sort of new to keyboards anyway uh, uh, it makes really the process super, super simple, but you know, you get a, there's tons of switches on the market. It's not like a few years ago where there was a handful of switches, you know, there's probably, I don't know, 50 to a hundred readily available different switches, actuation forces. Do you want to click? Do you not want to click? You know, and, do you want and, to squeak? <laughs> and the, and and for me, the answer is, I don't know. So I kind of tried to figure out what I want. Um, yeah. And I put it all together and Turned it on, everything worked. Did you have to use a map to make sure all your keys were in the right place? Uh, I did have to use a photograph. Oh. Yeah, I did have to use a photograph. There's another. Uh, there's another nuance for me, which is that I use Mac, and the keycap sets that you can get are all you know, windy Windows ANSI based. So, mm. um, haven't quite figured out what I'm going to do with there. I'll have to get into the software and kind of map the keys out. But, um, yeah, yeah. So that's done, and it's really cool. I'm really excited. It was one of those things where I got it all finished and I cased it all up and I started typing and I was like, ah, I get it. You know, um, just the sounds it makes and the way it feels. And even just looking at it, I was like, yep, I totally, I totally get this thing. And it was just a blast. The whole process was fun. Picking the stuff was fun. It didn't cost a lot of money. I mean, it's not for a keyboard, it's a lot of money. But, um, you know, because I think of a keyboard, I think of go to Best Buy, spend, you know, Office Max, spend 40, 50, 40 bucks. bucks yeah. <clears throat> uh, so it's more than that, certainly. But at the end of the day, I had so much fun building but it's it. It's
0: also a fully custom electronic product that makes it look like now in front of your
1: computer, an eight year old belongs there. <laughs> exactly correct. Yes. yes. Exactly correct. Yeah. So that was cool. Uh, happy to show you pictures if you want. Just. Paying us on Instagram. You're gonna uh, see it in the backdrop of a lot of watch shots. I imagine that could happen. Yeah, I, 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 I don't know. I haven't considered that yet, but yeah, that might happen.
0: Well, that's certainly gonna happen. Your current keyboard's in the
1: <laughs> <laughs> whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's all I got, dude. Well, we're out of things. What a day! It's always a nice place to be. Like, yeah, we did it. We did all the things we were supposed to do. I always I
0: always lament a little bit when we look down at our notes. I'm like, well, we got to a, a thing.
1: Hey, so I just want to thank real quick before we go into our typical uh, outro. I just want to thank Notice for Notice Watch Company for supporting Watch Clicker and supporting Forty and Twenty. They're the first ones that have done it, and it's an amazing thing. You can right now, as of hearing this podcast, go to notice.com purchase any watch in their inventory, use the code CLICKER at checkout and get 10, 10% off of that watch purchase. So I, you can and should do that. And thank you so much to Wes and Cullen and Notice for uh, for giving us this opportunity. And thank you for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20 of the Watch Clicker podcast. Please check us out on Instagram, at Watch Clicker at 40and20. Check us out on our website, right? There's a whole article about the things we've talked about today. So if you have questions, they're on the article. Check it out. If you want to support us, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40and20. We'd love to have you there. We've got a Discord. You can come talk to us. It's how we get all of our money for Andrew's Christmas tree disposal projects. Very expensive. And... Don't forget to check us out next Thursday for another hour of watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Bye-bye.